Uh, all right, turning to Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John, John 11. And um, <clears throat> we are continuing our study. And uh, this is God's Word, John uh, 11, starting in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm sure we've all experienced a backseat driver at some point in our lives. And, uh, you know, the, 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 drive, the backseat driver's trying to uh, make sure that they don't get killed and they want to make sure that you're okay and everything like that. And uh, what? Oh, I'm not talking about you, baby. Uh, only a tiny bit, uh, just in my experience. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, it's kind of like in Seinfeld, uh, George Costanza was going, you have no idea what's going on up here. Um, you know, when I'm driving, uh, it's like a NASA control room in my head. I know you're scared by certain things, but there's a lot of stuff going on up here. It's kind of like the Matrix at the end where everything turns green and I see it all. Um, and, you know, she kind of, Tammy will look up from her phone and go, Wah! and I'm like, baby, it's like the end of the Matrix here. I'm seeing it all. Uh, in, a, in, a, in regard to the driving of this machine, I'm, I'm a full-time ninja, not part-time, full-time ninja behind the wheel of a car. The driver's point is simply, um, you can't see all there is happening, uh, but there's a lot happening. There's, there's purpose in what I'm doing is uh, the, the driver's plea. Of course, people still have accidents, so that's why they're called accidents. So if you need to speak up, speak up. But all to say, consider that, um, uh, consider that perspective um, about a perfect God, about a God who made everything, who is controlling everything, who is the boss of everything, there's always purpose going on. And so we, we see our little narrow channels and we, we think, oh, um, this is happening and I'm frightened by this and uh, I'm hurried by this. But there's purpose going on all the time. God's running things behind the scene, behind the scenes that uh, we cannot know, that we do not know. And so if you want to know what the takeaway is for this passage today, I would like it for this to be this. There is covenantal purpose behind everything that God does. And um, I say that not just because it would look cool on a church sign. Um, in other words, I'm not just limiting to that to some kind of a principle. I'm saying that Jesus is ultimately about one thing when he comes to this earth. He is about his father's business. And his father's business is that life comes only through Jesus. Uh, if you want a spoiler alert to this passage, you know, we're kind of in this new section. In fact, uh, a lot of commentaries break right here um, because, um, y you know, Jesus has been in this, uh, you know, he comes on the scene in his earthly ministry, and then there's this, uh, this recorded embattlement between Jesus and Pharisees. And uh, after this last miracle, the last one recorded uh, with Lazarus, uh, and that's the biggie too, the, uh, a very big miracle, 
Uh, after that, he's in the Upper Room Discourse, and uh, he's headlong for the cross, just hours from the cross. And so this is kind of a new, uh, new passage here, a new, a, a new, excuse me, a new uh, uh, section here. But uh, here, here's the spoiler alert. Look at, um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, where is it? Yeah, 25 and 26. Listen, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So you see, there's a purpose behind what God is doing. It is to get to that great morsel right there. All right? So that's where I'm getting our point from. There is a covenantal purpose behind everything God does and what Jesus is about is his father's business. And his father's business is bringing about life. All right. So let's go to our first point. Jesus played favorites and never sinned, by the way. Jesus played favorites. Um, now, look at verse 1. It says, um, now a certain man was ill. All right, let's stop there for a second. We go, okay, so new section here, and uh, a certain man was ill. All right, who is this dude? Let's identify him. Well, the scriptures go on to say, okay, who is this sick dude? It is Lazarus of Bethany. All right, so we've got a specific. That's pretty cool. We've got Lazarus of Bethany. There's a sick dude. We've got a specific, and it seems as though the author wants us to know that he's not using some kind of teaching parable, that this is something that really did happen. He's, he's not writing a fable. He's writing something that is recorded history. There's a dude who's real, who's really sick from a real place. Um, it, it's, uh, it's forensically verifiable. Uh, he wants it to be anchored in history. All right, so all of verse 1 says, now there was a certain man that was ill. Uh, it was Lazarus of Bethany. And just so there's no uh, confusion, it was the village of Mary, and her sister, Martha. Well, now we know where it happened, uh, which is important. By the way, if I said to you, hey, uh, <clears throat> Bob, uh, I want to introduce you to my friend here. He's from Jackson. What would your next question be? Tennessee or Mississippi. If you live in Memphis, you can't just say this guy's from Jackson because it could mean anything. It could mean either one of those places. Well, so there's more than one Bethany in the Bible. All right, there's a couple of different Bethanies. Not an, un- not an uncommon name. There's uh, uh, the Bethany here in verse 11, which is a, a little over a mile from Jerusalem. I think it's 1.2 miles. So, I mean, pretty quick little walk uh, from the, the Burbs to Jerusalem. All right, so there's the Bethany, this Bethany. But there's another Bethany. Um, and um, and uh, we need to ask, where is Jesus in this story? Where did we last leave him? And if you look at chapter 10, verse 40, here's where we left him. It says that Jesus went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. Now, where was that? Well, uh, let me just uh, flip real quick. Um, this is in chapter 1. It says that um, uh, when, when John the Baptist was on the scene and uh, Jesus is encountering John, John's engaged in his ministry, it says that these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So that's a different Bethany. There's a Bethany 1.2 miles from Jerusalem, and there's this Bethany, which is about 90 miles from Jerusalem. All right, so Bethany across the Jordan is different than Bethany two miles from Jerusalem. Uh, in other words, Jesus is about three, two to three days, um, pretty brisk-paced journey to Jerusalem. All right, so Jesus is not just right around the corner. He's a, he's a little bit of a trek uh, away. Um, and so um, poor Lazarus his aching family, 
They get word to Jesus. Jesus gets word back to them. Now pause for a second. Have you forgotten your cell phone ever at the house? And you leave and you got to go home at lunchtime and get your cell phone. And for the four hours that you don't have your cell phone, you're going, hey, uh, I'm cut off from the universe. You know, I don't have all my connections and how could I possibly live and, and all that. Can you imagine? Lazarus is sick. Um, n- no email. Uh, no overnight mail. News traveled 90 miles by foot. And uh, the response travels 90 miles by foot. And in the middle, it's just dead air. Now, there's another historical identifier in here, uh, which is in verse 2. It says, um, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Uh, And that's very interesting because John, the gospel writer, is taking an event that is is happening in the future that that was widely known, apparently, uh, amongst the church, um, and uh, he's using it to identify uh, who these people are uh, and, and so on. So it, it also means that the story was, was widely known by the church, okay? So imagine the scene. Lazarus has sunk enough in health where they are really concerned for his life, right? He's not just sick. It's not just the sniffles. He is, he is degraded to a point where they're going, oh, no, Lazarus could die. And uh, it's, we're, we're cutting it close, but let's try to get message to Jesus. And his family fears his death. They send word to Jesus. They receive word back uh, in several days. Now think about it. It took several days to get to Jesus. They get word back, and what they don't have is Jesus. They get word back from Jesus. Jesus could be there about the same time as the word that comes back to them, but he's not there. That must have been quite a heavy thing. Had Jesus gone back immediately, he himself would be showing up. Instead, they get a word from him, and uh, not only that, he didn't, he, he didn't hoof it back. Rather, he deliberately delayed by two more days. And by the way, during this time, Lazarus was still alive. I mean, they're still hoping, and they get word back, and uh, it's, uh, it's a sad thing indeed. All right. Now, has that come off the page uh, for you a little bit? Uh, it's, it's not just a cute story about a, a mummy. You know, you, you just think of Lazarus and you see all these little kid cartoons and you, you grow up you grow up in the church. It's kind of this charming story where Lazarus comes out and he's, you know, um, kind of can't see and all that business. It's cute. Um, but can you imagine the, the, the hurt in all that? Um, there, there's deep family dynamic here, which brings us to our sermon point. I hope you find that to be a little bit compelling or shocking. Jesus played favorites. Um, you know, uh, it, verse 3 says this. Look at it. Um, the sisters sent to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now that's, just think about that for a second. If somebody calls me, it happens all the time. It drives me crazy. Somebody will call me, and I'll say, hey, it's Bob. I'm like, Bob who? I mean, there's like 8 million Bobs in the world, but, but you think you're the Bob that's most important in my life. It's Bob. Say your last name. You know, even, in, even just in our conversation, you know, you just know so many people from all these different connections. You got to have a last name. Um, um, on the other hand, 
if uh, Tammy calls me and says, hi, it's Tammy, I don't, I don't go, Tammy Houseman? <laughs> you know, she's at the top of the list. I know who Tammy is. So is it not interesting that um, Jesus gets word from uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and the word is, Lord, he whom you love is ill, and Jesus knows who it is. Isn't that interesting? G- There's no question. He doesn't need to go, no, wait, wait a second. Wait, I love a lot of people. I am Jesus, by the way. Now, who are you talking about? He whom you love is ill. Um, it, it's just so deeply personal. Um, th- and by the way, this is recorded by the, by the, uh, uh, the um, apostle, by the disciple who Jesus loved, John. Um, there, there are a couple of mysterious references, and we'll talk about those as, as we get to them. But here's, here's one that you'll know. At the cross in chapter 19, Jesus sees his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. And he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Now that's widely thought uh, to be John the Apostle, the, the gospel writer of this book. Now is that, and by the way, is that not something? Jesus says, behold your son, behold your mother. And John goes, I get it. I am the one who loves you. And uh, this, is how, this is what love looks like. I'm taking your mom into my household. I mean, I would say that, that that's a very distinguished um, friendship with Jesus, that Jesus is, is playing favorites here uh, in a sense. And I'll qualify that in just a, a minute. But, but the point is, he doesn't even hesitate to record uh, what Mary and Martha said. Uh, he knew that there would be no question in Jesus' mind as to who as, as, as to whom they were, for, were referring, all right? Notice also, in their sending this message to Jesus, they communicate some stuff. They communicate that they assume that Jesus can help. They assume that Jesus will help, and uh, they don't tell Jesus how he's supposed to do it. They don't say, get back here right away because of da 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 we've checked here, and need you. what you need to do is this. They don't do that. They assume Jesus can help, they assume that he will help, and they don't try to tell him how to do it. They just trust him. And that's a great place to stop and apply this to our lives. Here's, here's the application. Guys, Jesus had personal friends. You know why Jesus had personal friends? Because Jesus really had a human nature. He was fully God. Indeed, he was. And is. But he took upon himself a human nature. And it wasn't some little sanitized, weird version of a human nature. Sinless, yes. I mean, sanitized in that sense, yes. But, but not, not like we would concoct. He was a real human who ate food and needed sleep. He felt betrayal. Um, he, um, he enjoyed company. Uh, he could feel encouragement. He was tempted as we are, yet he resisted. He was truly human, and that means that he had, uh, had relationships, uh, just like all humans do. I mean, you have yourself, and then you've got this circle of friends, and you've got more friends and more friends and more friends and more friends and more friends. And uh, all, like all humans, your friendships are, tend to be in, in uh, kind of circles, you know? And there's nothing sinful about that. Um, and to, to apply it to your life, um, I, I can tell you this. I am so just... I've been doing this for uh, two decades. 
I can't tell you how tired I am of people um, um, talking about cliques in church. In fact, I, I can almost see it unfolding when they say, Yes, well, we uh, bloody never do, but then we and we feel like there's a bunch of, and I'm like, please don't say it, clicks, and they say it, and I go, ugh, really? I mean, it's just the biggest cliche in the church, I'm telling you. You really think that uh, people are uh, coming to church in a Toyota Sienna, and they're saying, now remember, kids, do you see the McGillicuddies? Be cold to them. I mean, make sure you ignore them so they feel excluded uh, because we don't want to be friendly at this place. You really think that people are, are doing that? It just drives me nuts. My, my point is, a lot of times in the church, people worship together, and then they go back and they go to school and they go to work, and they live their lives and uh, they go to Chili's, uh, and then uh, the next uh, week they get together and they go, hey! We haven't seen you in a week, and so they go to people that they know, and they kind of catch up and stuff. It's not that people are excluding, and it's not that we shouldn't be deliberately friendly. We should be deliberately friendly. We should be warm. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, I've said this out here before. My favorite professor that I've ever had, uh, seminary professor, his name is Ralph Davis, and Tammy went down to Hattiesburg uh, to visit her brother years and years ago and went to his church. And, uh, I mean, the bulletin was just pitiful. Uh, it was just, you know, church secretary looking, you know, no offense if you're a church secretary, but it was just real, it was just real church secretary looking. I mean, it was just really, it was a little hand-drawn building, and it was like, you know, just a bad printer and everything, but it was hilarious because it had a, a little picture of the church, and underneath it said, the sometimes friendly church by the drainage ditch. <laughs> and uh, I love that, the sometimes friendly church by the drainage ditch. I say it out there, uh, I'll say some, you know, welcome, we hope you find it to be friendly. Sometimes we are. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we are. We're trying to be, but not always. But, folks, uh, that whole click thing is a terrible cliche. And, uh, listen, I- I'm, not saying, I'm not saying your children aren't horrible sinners and uh, they, they're in a click back there and they exclude people and blah, 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 blah. Um, but I am saying that it is normal for human beings to have different kinds of friendships. Not everybody has the same exact level of friendship all the time. And... Um, Here's, here's advice for you. If you ever feel excluded, then ask yourself, is it, is it me? <laughs> ask yourself, am I serving anybody? Well, I sure feel a little neglected over there, and I think that place is full of clicks. Ask yourself, wait a second, am I serving anybody? Because as soon as you're serving somebody, you're connected. That's a good, that's a good little piece of advice. Um, you know, I've got a neighbor who uh, left his church. Well, I shouldn't say that. Left this church, okay? It, it goofs up the illustration if I tried to hide my, my source. But left this church for that reason. Uh, they said, you know, we live on this street, and uh, they live, our, our properties touch each other. They live on this street, and uh, there are uh, four families that go to Grace of Anne right on our street. And not one of those families has had us over to eat. And I'm like, you never had me over to eat. 
I mean, I, I don't remember my invitation. Uh, I don't remember, uh, hey, you guys want to come over? Uh, no one uh, you gonna ask me to do it. But you know, that's the thing. Yeah, those people are, if you ever walk into church and you think those people, those people, those people, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Um, now, all I'm saying is this. Um, if you throw out favoritism, you throw out the Savior. <laughs> because Jesus had real friends, real relationships. It's okay for you to have those two. And I can tell you this. Um, You've heard me say this a million times. If I didn't go to church here, excuse me, if I didn't work here, I would still go to church here. If I didn't work here, this would be my church home. Um, love the mojo, love the truth, uh, love the music. That's my favorite. And, uh, but, um, you know, all my, all my dearest relationships in my whole life are right here. I mean, really, it's, it's not like I walk in, I punch a time card, and I'm friendly, and then I clock out, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I unfriend you when I go home at, at night. Um, my, my closest, dearest, sweetest relationships are here, and I, I just love it. Anyway, all to say, Jesus played favorites. Oh, it's okay for you to do it, too. All right, next point. Uh, God gaining glory softens suffering. Um, look at verse 4. Uh, when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, I'm dying to jump into an application right here, but let me just pause for a second. That right there was the message that was delivered back to Mary and Martha and Lazarus if he was, if he was conscious. Um, this, think about it. Uh, this is the message that they get back to him. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, um, that's, that's pretty uh, potent, isn't it? Especially since Lazarus dies. I mean, so now let's apply it. Look at verses 5 and 6. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, uh, when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two more days. Now, if you read virtually any translation, uh, it says in, in verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved. Like 19 out of 20 translations will say that. You'll find one, it's Young's Literal Translations, that says Jesus was loving Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Uh, one commentator who's now with the Lord, but uh, he's awesome, Hendrickson, he, he, um, he translated it this way. Now, Jesus was holding in loving esteem Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I rather like that. In other words, he was actively considering them. He was knowing them. He, uh, he knew their, their insides. He knew what they would be feeling. Uh, he knew what his words would do to them. It was, it was deep and it was personal. He knew them. They were, they were among his closest friends. And by the way, they were known to be uh, among his closest friends. Look at verse 36. Um, you know, Jesus uh, wept when he shows up on a scene, and the Jews say, see how he loved him. I mean, they, they knew that these were, this was Jesus' closest friends. And um, so how was Jesus showing them love is the question. I mean, that is really potent right there. Jesus, he's actively loving and thinking about and, and uh, esteeming uh, Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And then it says, so... When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. Isn't that interesting? That's an expression of his love. 
And that is baffling to us. When we look at it, we go, whoa, whoa, whoa. He lets Lazarus die. But that's an expression of his love. He loves him so he delays his trip. What? How could that be loving? Well, he's about to reveal truth to them that is going to change their eternity. (laughs) I'd say that's pretty loving, wouldn't you? He's going to show something to their souls that is so profound that they'll never be the same. So an application for you. Um, Deal with all those around you uh, regarding their eternity. And also realize that it's normal for you to have friends, and if you feel left out, it might not be that you're not serving anybody. What Jesus is doing is he's going to display something to them by this miracle, by this raising of Lazarus, that is going to grab their souls and grip them and change them for all eternity. And again, to our main idea, there's covenantal purpose behind everything that God does. There's purpose here. They get word back, not Jesus. That's got to be confusing. Um, and then you read this account and we go, wow, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so he delays and lets Lazarus die. And we go, wow, that's befuddling too. What's the purpose behind that? The purpose is to show their soul something. And by the way, what about you? I mean, uh, oh, we're t- I'm, I'm skipping to my next point. But, um, uh, um, you know, folks, uh, we're considering all this right now, aren't we? Uh, this is Jesus loving us, too. I mean, we're considering this, et- et- eternal, um, this eternal equation uh, by, by these people, um, and that's a gift of love, too. All right, to our last point. Um, faith is a gift from God. Uh, let me give you a little preview. Um, uh, the preview is, um, oh, yeah, look at verse 18. Uh, Bethany was near Jerusalem, two miles off. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning the brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Uh, and they say, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Uh, what a sad crowd. What a bunch of grieving witnesses. I wonder if it was awkward when Jesus walked up. Don't you? I mean, they, 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 he's two miles off, and they, they come, and they console them, and uh, they hear he's coming. They go out to meet him, and, G- and Mary remains seated in the house. It must, have been, it must have been full of heartache. It must have been really hard. You know, Jesus, we got a lot of questions. I mean, you sent word back, but it wasn't you. You could have come back, but you didn't. And uh, Lazarus is dead, and then they go out to meet him, and, and uh, it, I wonder if it was awkward when Jesus shows up in the city, and they're like, here you are. You could have, we, 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 we trusted in you, and uh, Lazarus is dead. Um, that, 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 must have been, that must have been really hard. But again, I ask you, does that minister to your soul, that there's a purpose behind everything that God is doing, that there's a purpose behind what the Savior is doing? He deliberately delays the uh, healing event, the, the life-giving event, um, and it gives glory to God. And, you know, in, in verse 4, when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. You know, folks, um, the, the, the sweetest thing that can happen to your soul is that um, God gets glory. Um, you know, this little family that went through this trauma in ancient occupied Rome 2,000 years ago, 
can give our souls encouragement today. You know, that, that's a message that, that there's covenantal purpose behind everything that God does. Uh, we don't see all the things unfolding, but um, isn't it a comfort to know that God is not in a hurry? We're in a hurry. We get news, and it puts us in a hurry. We go into a panic because we get news, and it puts us into a panic. Uh, we get information, and it's new information, and it, and it affects us. But God does never, he, does never, he doesn't have new information. God is never surprised by anything. God's never in a hurry, never, never in a hurry. He's, he, he understands that things are unfolding. He sovereignly rules and reigns, and he interacts in all that. And this is one of those stories that is very sweet because we see that there's a God behind the scene. Let's pray. Father, um, we're humbled before you because I am, Lord. I, I, I want to take control, and I want to do things, and I want to solve things, and I want to understand things. And um, your, your secret counsel is your own. And uh, we praise you and thank you that you are ruling and reigning sovereignly and that we see it expressed in this situation. Uh, we pray for our study over the next uh, few weeks as we examine this. We pray that we would have a deeper insight into this God who works behind the scenes. Um, and we pray, Lord, that you'll show us your truth in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thanks, everybody.